All right, let's do it. Hey, everybody, welcome to uh, episode number 64 of Real Live Talk. Really appreciate you guys for taking a moment to check out this episode, whether you are watching live or listening on one of the podcast platforms later, or however it is that you're consuming this podcast. Really, really appreciate you for taking the time to be here. I uh, have been privileged lately to make a new connection with today's guest, Paul Granger, who is a fellow podcaster. Paul is the host of the Where Did You See God podcast. He's been serving in inner city ministry since 2005 with a focus on shepherding others as they seek to love God and love others. He currently uh, serves alongside YWAM in Richmond, Virginia, and uh, some other things that we'll get into as well. But Paul, thank you for being here, man. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm I'm happy to be here. Happy. I got some technology to work out, was running into issues, but I like to tell people anytime there's issues coming into a conversation, it probably means it's going to be a good one. So <laughs> I'm ready for it. Yeah, that for sure has been my experience. And uh, as a podcaster, how, how often would you say you deal with um, either on your end or the guest's end? <laughs> how often do you think you deal with technical difficulties? So often. I mean, just last <laughs> night, we could not the guest and i could not even get into the room together because something weird was happening with her computer really? halfway through the computer stopped working she came on the phone we were having audio issues i mean it's i would say half at least of the episodes there's a significant <laughs> issue and sometimes it's so wild that you're like oh man this is there's something going on here so we're going to keep on pressing forward and that, those actually tend to be some of the most amazing conversations though uh because whereas we thought it wasn't going to work out by the end of it we're like all right god i see what you did there <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so crazy because like i'll do these and i do uh i do this podcast twice a week mm -hmm. and yeah it's just certain things that are just out of your control like internet yeah. you know every once in a while i'll have a crazy internet connection that just for whatever reason just kind of drops off the face right. of the earth for that 30 minutes like when i'm supposed to be starting my podcast and like different things like that and audio connectivity bluetooth mm -hmm. issues like just different things different challenges but yeah but yeah god's good and it usually comes together and works out um yeah but uh yeah man well i i'm i'm interested to uh, learn a little bit uh, about your podcast and how you got into the world of podcasting and then we'll branch into some other things as well but mm -hmm. um yeah, tell us, tell me uh, just a little bit about um, your podcast and the heart behind it. Yeah, so it does not exist because I wanted to do a podcast. Uh, <laughs> it, it actually came about three years ago. I had just finished a very, very hard season in a pretty unhealthy ministry work environment that led to me being uh, released without any explanation of why, which wow. could have been a highly destructive moment. But what had preceded that was a year of God reworking my understanding of who he is, who he's made me to be, and how I can function in that knowledge, particularly with the truth that I don't work for an organization or a person. I work for God. And so if I work for God and God's called me to do something, then I can step into that no matter how rough my work environment is. But like I mentioned, it led to me losing my job. Uh, God gave me a heads up that it was going to happen, which is a whole other story in of itself that maybe we'll tap into. But I actually received what should have been one of the most destructive moments in my life. I received it with an unexpected. Uh, joy is the word that I'm 
is coming to my mind. I don't want to say it because <laughs> it's not a joyful thing. And yet, like, there was joy in that space. Yeah. It was very unjust, very unfair. Awesome. Put our family in a hard place. My wife was expecting our third child. You know, we had bills, obviously. We had mortgage. But there was this joy. And then God did something really crazy. Um, I really felt like he was inviting me to not job search immediately. And so I lost the job at the beginning of August 2018. I could have looked that whole month. And then my last day was at the end of the month and could have rolled right into a new job. But God felt like he was saying, don't job search. And then wow. September, that's when I should have been job searching. But I felt like God was inviting me to take a mini sabbatical and to not job search at all. So for mm. two months, I was not looking for a job. And God was providing the whole time. And in the midst of that, one of the things that he was providing was a new sense of direction and purpose. Our minds are trained around our, our purpose and our direction being really tied to what job do we have? What is our profession? True. What are we known for? What is our vocation? Like what, all of those things. And God was inviting me into another place of what does it look like just to be an ambassador of Christ, to just mm. seek God, to just be a Christ follower. And then functionally, whatever I do in the day fits under that umbrella. And so one of those things was him inviting me into transparency and vulnerability. I don't want to put myself out there. I, I'm not, I use Facebook because I joined Facebook back when it was something completely different <laughs> back in 2005. It was a very oh, yeah. small thing. It was a way to keep in touch with my friends as we were graduating from college. But outside that, I'm not a social media person. I don't necessarily want to put my business out there. But I felt like God had been inviting me in this hard season to step into transparency. And then one of those ways was this sense that I should do a podcast. Well, I didn't listen to podcasts. I didn't really like podcasts. I didn't have time for podcasts because I had young kids. Yeah, sure. And I didn't want to put my business out there. But it was just this very clear sense that I felt like God wanted me to just create a space to process him. And... That was three years ago, and I would I would say it's been easily one of the most valuable and rewarding gifts from God in my life. The conversations, I think I've just recorded like the 91st conversation, and and it really is just that. It's, it's not about making a podcast. It's not about making episodes. I've always felt like at any given point, God could say, all right, it's done, and then I'd be like, all right, it's done. Um, but it really is in every conversation, how can we seek God together? And I've experienced God in some beautiful ways, hearing the stories of others. And so that's been the heart of it. The, the title is, Where Did You See God? And it comes from this place of realizing that as much as I was trying to seek God, when somebody asked me that question, I didn't have an answer. And okay. it hit me. I was like, man, if I'm saying I'm a Christian, if I'm saying I believe that God is active and somebody says, where did you see God today? And I, I can't think of anything. What does that mean? <laughs> what do I do with that? And it pushed me to realize I can't just like try to find God on the back end. How can I go into the day actively seeking God? How can I wow. start today saying, all right, God, I, I'm saying that I believe that you're present and active, so I'm going to look for it. And then, wow. then do that. And then press that into other situations, situations where we maybe pull God out of it, our hard situations, our work situations, our our bills, you know, sweeping the house, all these places where we kind of separate the spiritual from the human uh, and realizing, wait, what if we actually look for God in all these spaces that we don't think of him in? What if we actually mm -hmm. look for God in the spaces that we're longing for him to be in, but are claiming that we can't see him? Come on. And so 
in these conversations with people, yeah. that's what we've ended up doing. This past season has been focused on healing and more so when healing doesn't happen. And it's been beautiful to hear how people have actually experienced God when God didn't give them what they wanted. And that's, it's just, it's this mentality and then being able to press into it through the podcast has really changed how I think just at any given point of the day, because it's starting to train my mind. It's like when you practice something, it becomes muscle memory. I'm starting yeah, to sure. look for God more naturally in situations where in the past I might've not thought about it until it got too hard or too bad. Yeah. So how has that affected, like, how has that, that difference in sort of your, your perception? Because I think so often we just have this tendency to look for God, as you say, or expect, we expect to see God in the spiritual quote unquote stuff right. that we do. Right. So when I'm reading my Bible, when I'm going to church, when I'm you know talking to God, when I'm doing these things that I consider to be the spiritual aspects of my life, then I probably have somewhat of a heightened awareness. Hopefully I have an expectation. I mean, we could even do that. We could go into our time with the Lord and we can go to church and not have an expectation. And just, mm -hmm. we just kind of do it out of habit or because it's been our just sort of thing that we've always done or that, you know, whatever. So we can do it that way too, even with the quote unquote spiritual things. But I, um, I, I love that the, the way you're talking about this, because, because we are God's people, he lives inside of us. We're connected to him. We don't need to live our lives with this dividing line between what's secular and spiritual yeah. and stuff like that. But every aspect of our lives, God is in, involved. He wants to be involved. He wants us to see him, you know, mm -hmm. and we can so often miss out on really cool opportunities where God wants to show up and either show us something or maybe use us to speak into somebody's life or even whatever it might be, even if it's yeah. not on that level, but just the enjoyment that can happen as we walk through life with God, knowing that he's there with us. And so how has that awareness as you begin to mm -hmm. be more proactive about going after that and expecting to see God in daily life? And in other words, looking for God in daily life in some of the places that maybe in the past you weren't aware or conscious of or focused yeah. on. How has that sort of shifted the way that you have uh, the way that you connect and commune with God on a daily basis? Yeah. Well, I think the biggest way is that it's actually shifting my understanding of how life actually works, because mm. our default is to think of it as you described it. You've got the secular and you got the spiritual. Yes. And a good Christian will try to like smush in the spiritual into the secular as best as possible. And you're really successful if you have a spiritual job, boom, now your vocation is all spiritual. You don't have to worry about that. But then you get to other stuff that's like harder to like, how do I make this spiritual? And it seems forced at times. And when we think wow. like that, it's almost like we've forgotten the beginning of the book, right? The beginning of the book is in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And in other words, in the beginning, God created all of it, all of yes. it. The way I like to think of it is it's like you had this table, this, you know, and we think of this table as our life. And then we think of all the things that we have to put on it. So we've got our job, we've got our relationships, you know, we've got our, our home, we've got our hobbies, our, oh, and we got God, we've got our relationship with God. And that that's an important one. Mm -hmm. And yeah. depending on our season of life, we kind of shuffle those things around what's right in front of us, what's on the peripheral of the table, what's about to teeter and fall off. 
And we, we try to keep the God piece, you know, as central as possible. But frequently, we suddenly open our eyes and realize, oh, man, it's teetering on the edge of the table. Job mm -hmm. has become the central thing of it, right? And the problem with that is that's not actually how reality works. Reality isn't that God is one piece of this thing that we're trying to fit with all the other pieces of our life and meld together and mesh together. The reality is, is the spiritual is the table. Like that's actually how reality works and everything else we're now placing in that context. And it's a completely different thing, right? Because now it's not you having to force these two incongruent things together. Now it's like, no, I am placing my job on my understanding of spiritual reality. I'm placing my yeah. relationships. Yeah. And so this process of seeking God, when we step into it, forces us to have to confront those moments when we're actually meshing and trying to push something together and we don't realize it. And mm -hmm. sometimes we learn it in an easy way, like, oh man, like what if I just kind of take this to prayer? <laughs> what if I really just recognize this is God's? What if I give this to God? Sometimes we learn it the hard way when it doesn't work out the way we push so hard to make the spiritual and our job work out. And right. suddenly it all falls apart. And we realize it's because we were really trying to protect this job <laughs> and make it work in our spiritual realm. Mm. And, and the more we had those moments, the more we find it a little easier to do what Jesus invited us to do, which is to die to self. Because at the front end, we are not good at that. Because naturally, why would we be? Why would we just drop our self-preservation? Yeah. Right. Like who wants to yeah. lose? Who wants to be uncomfortable? Who wants to be broken? Who wants to die? Right. And so these moments where we God invites us to press in and to press in and experience loss and experience recognition of, oh, I was pursuing the wrong thing, then helps us to see what things we actually can die to. I never thought my job, for example, part of the reason it was so painful for several years is because my human thinking and it was logical is I need a job because I need income. This is a job I thought God called me to. It's a ministry. <laughs> like, so it should be healthy. And I, I, I good at what I do. And I see a like incredible value of what can happen. And I want to do like, so I need to protect this. And the only way that I can protect this is if my boss is on board, but my boss isn't on mm. board. And so I've got to convince him. So the only way I can feel peace is if he sees me accurately. And, and that was the, one of the moments that I mentioned at the start where God gave me some freedom because when he made me realize yeah. that I work for him and not my boss, I no longer needed my boss's approval or my boss's understanding of my identity or my boss's understanding of what my role should be to be what dictated what I did and who I was. Mm. And when I operated off of what God's expectations were, everything ended up falling into place for that to happen. That doesn't mean everything was easier. Again, I lost my job, but <laughs> it, it did mean that I found this peace and joy and, wow. and a capacity that wasn't there when it was me fighting for my identity, fighting for my desires, fighting for my, my justice. And sometimes it's good things, but dying to that now puts me in a place where I'm like, I don't have to be ruled by a job anymore, <laughs> wow. especially because I live 100% off of support now. So it's like, I don't need to rely on a paycheck anymore. I don't need to rely mm -hmm. on somebody's perception of, do I have a real job or not? Is it a, mm -hmm. is it a, a reputable job or not? Like, I don't have to rely on any of that. I just need to ask myself, am I to the best of my ability? trying to seek God.
trying to step in the direction I feel like he is? And am I willing to be humble enough when I'm not stepping in the right direction to course correct and then step again? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's really cool. Well, so many things are going off in my mind right now based on <laughs> everything you just said, but I, I want to run back to something where you were talking about that idea of, you know, when we start thinking about bringing God into my work, bringing God into my workplace. Mm -hmm. And especially if we're talking about, uh, you know, a secular, just regular type of job, not a ministry type of a job, but you know, whether you work in a restaurant or you're a doctor or you're whatever you do. Right. And so bringing God into that, or even as, as business, we talk about, you know, kingdom business and we talk about things like that. Right. And, and I think so often we're so limited in our perspective mm -hmm. of what that means. And we think that, for me to bring God into my job with me means that, oh, I've got to be like praying for people on my job yeah. and I've got to be prophesying to people or I've got to be telling people about Jesus and I've got to be evangelizing. I'm not saying that that's not a part of it. And there may be times when God gives you an open door, you know, for that or whatever. But I think that to limit it to that is to really limit how creative God is, because I think that when we go into a job situation or when we're running a business and, you know, depending on where you are, if you're the lowest person on the totem pole at your job, this still applies to you, right? Uh, if, if you, or if you're the person who's the CEO at the company, it applies to you because wherever you are, God has placed you there. And there is somewhat, there is a certain level of influence that comes with just you being there in that room. If you don't have any actual authority over any of the other people that work there, you still have the spirit of God living inside of you. So there's a certain level of, you know, you take God's presence with you into that place. Mm -hmm. And so you can, uh, just the spirit of God living inside of you can affect the atmosphere and, and things like that. So I think that there's a certain, you know, we just kind of limit God to these things that just make sense in our mind, where mm -hmm. I think that God is so interested in giving us creative ideas and creative expression for whatever it might be. So sometimes it's really just, uh, it, it plays out as in you just go to work and you're a great employee and you do your job well. And people start to look at you and they're like, like, why aren't you complaining like everybody else is? You know, why aren't mm -hmm. you losing your mind about what the boss just did? Why aren't you upset because that customer just did this or said this? Or like, why is that not bothering you? And you begin to put that 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 piece that you're talking about begins to be yeah. displayed through you and people can begin to see the goodness of God. I, I really think that there's something that God is so intentional about when it comes to his people standing in that place of whether it's a vocation or again, a business or whatever it is, but that place that he's called them to be to really take on a mindset of, of, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm here to serve. Mm -hmm. So like in the, in the past I've been uh, you know, I used to be, I used to do like Uber driving mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And God started to speak to me uh, uh, about the way that I was approaching that job because my mindset was, oh, I don't want these people in my car. And like, I'm just doing this because I have to. And God like really started to shift my perspective on that. And in that season of my life, he helped me to see that, no, like I want you to approach like your job from a motivation of love. Whether you get to speak into somebody's life and actually bring up the name of Jesus to them, like that's not going to happen with every person that steps in your car. It'll happen sometimes. Yeah. but but it's not going to happen with every single person, probably not even the majority of people, but 
you can still just in the way that you approach people, the way that you acknowledge people, the way that you uh, just love and serve people. You know, we are that demonstration of God's goodness, you know, and his love here on the earth. And I just think it's so his idea of our just interactions in daily life. It's so much bigger than what we often relegate it to. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and to be fair to all of us, I mean, we've been kind of conditioned around some some fallacies, right? So like one of them we already noted was around identity, right? Like. We are conditioned to understand our identity in large part based on our career and what we do. Yeah, like you are what you do. Yes. Yeah. Like it's hi, I'm Frank. I'm a lawyer, right? Like, um, but <laughs> oh, but beyond lawyer, that, act differently around. <laughs> <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> and, but then we press it further, right? Because we're also conditioned around production. Like you have to produce something to have value. So if you mm-hmm. can't show something of yourself, and then we work that into our understanding of our relationship with God. Because I am only of value to God if I am saving lots of people or if I am changing hearts or if I am this, that, or the other. And part of that we pull from, you know, we can look at scripture and we can land at that place because we don't read between the lines. You know, there's, what is it, John, who says at the end of this book, uh, you know, if I were to write out everything that Jesus did, it would fill like all the libraries in the world, right? There's a lot that they couldn't fit in the books. When you're trying to consolidate stuff into a quick hit thing, what do you do? You pull some of the big moments out, but we look at those and then that becomes our defining nature of, oh, this is what it means to be like Jesus is you have to be healing people. You have to be healing, you have to be doing this, you have to be doing it. But there are moments where Jesus went up on a mountain and just spent time with God and didn't accomplish a single thing other than being in relationship with God. And this is the problem when we think about our jobs, that's also why we get this hierarchical pressure that you know the best is the CEO, the worst is the person in some kind of lowly service, the the garbage collector, like, oh no, I would never wanna do this, that job or that job. And, And then if we are in one of these jobs that we've decided are lower, we can't, we don't feel like there's, how can I provide any value, right? So we have all these fallacies that are shaping our understanding of, what identifies us, what gives us value, and what God would be pleased with, when what God is pleased with is us being in relationship with them. That means you can go into your secular, normal job where you're just entering data, and you could just be sitting with God as you do it, right? Maybe you're just praying in your head, maybe you're, whatever it is, whatever way you are connecting with God, and not produce a single visible thing that you could take to church and say, look what I accomplished with my spreadsheet, and God could be utterly pleased because Mm. he wants to be in relationship with us. The other thing is a lot of times we have this pressure, the fallacy that it's on us to do it, right? So I've got to figure out how to evangelize at work. I've got to figure out how to fix this problem in my neighborhood. I've got to figure out how to grow this church. And when we look at scripture, what we see is it's actually God, the one that does it most of the time. (laughs) And it's most noticeable in the people that were like the least of these, right? The Gideons and and the disciples who I'm just a fisherman. Like I can't see somebody. And what they did was just follow Christ or follow God. And God is the one who provided the opportunity. Sometimes like Philip, they weren't even looking for it. Philip was just walking down the street and he overheard somebody right? That was like reading scripture or something, didn't understand. Philip wasn't actively going to look for that person. God provided the opportunity because why? Because Philip was just walking, walking with God. And so whatever somebody's job is, you don't have to have a spiritual job 
to have a spiritual job <laughs> because your spiritual job is Come to on. be an ambassador of Christ, to be a yeah. child of God. Like that's, that is your role. And then you functionally go and serve in a place if that's where you find yourself in that season. But that yeah. could change at any point. You could be like the disciples, again, on a boat, fishermen. And then in a moment, Jesus is like, all right, you're unemployed now. And they were like, they didn't, they didn't have a functional job in the way they understood it from that point on because they became ambassadors of Christ and God mm. provided for them and God worked through them in ways that they could never have accomplished on their best fishing day. And in fact, their best fishing day was because Jesus provided the fish, right? So like there's all these fallacies. So it's, it's fair that we yeah. struggle with this. It's fair that we wrestle with this. It's fair that we can be in a job and feel like I'm not a good Christian or I, I don't see any purpose here because of all those things. The good news is, is just as Jesus met the disciples on that shore and immediately changed everything, if we're willing to look for God, if we're willing to listen for what Jesus might say, Jesus can say, hey, I'm going to keep you where you are, but it's all going to change like wow. that. There can be such a fine line to like the, the devil is such a legalist that like mm -hmm. he'll bring these lies into your head and there's such a fine line that we can miss it like i remember just as a as a high school kid and i love yeah. the lord and i was in a i grew up in christian schools but in from my sophomore year on i went to public school and i just immediately from day one i felt just like this intense pressure to try to like be different and to mm -hmm. try to speak about Jesus and to try to like do these things. And I felt like if I wasn't doing that on a daily basis, then I was being a bad Christian. And I, and there was all this pressure on myself and I didn't realize because I didn't, I guess I just didn't know. Like I, I, I knew God to an extent and I had relationship with him and I enjoyed, you know, intimacy with him and fellowship with him and stuff like that. But I didn't know him enough to know that, that voice in my head was not his. Hmm. And so I thought that God was putting this pressure on me <laughs> to somehow to perform and to be obvious that I'm a Christian and to all this kind of stuff. And I'm not, and I wasn't, you know, I wouldn't have been trying to hide it anyway, yeah. but it was just this thing where there was this pressure and I always felt like I wasn't measuring up. And there's like this, this line, this, this, this thin line between like, does God want you to evangelize the lost? Mm -hmm. Sure, of course. Does he want you to tell your friends about Jesus? Sure, of course. But is he telling you, if you don't do this, you're not a good Christian. If you don't do this, then I'm going to like, no, absolutely not. That's not how God speaks to us. That's not what that's not mm -hmm. the way that God um, talks to us and the way that he leads us. Yeah. He leads us by his grace. He leads yeah. us in a loving way as a loving father. And so, yeah, it's just it's just crazy, like the pressure that you were talking about, the pressure that we put ourselves under sometimes to try to perform a certain way. And you mentioned identity. I, I really think that it comes down to, you know, an identity issue. And again, yeah. you are not the sum total of like the job that you have or the mm -hmm. money in your bank account or the friendships that you have or the followers that you have or anything like that. You're who God says that you are. And when you learn yeah. to live in the reality of that and then you know work becomes an outflow of who you are and who god created you to be and his goodness in your life and the friendships and relationships that you have those things become like an outflow of that but they don't define who you are yeah you know and identity and control we do not like to be in a situation in which we don't have control <laughs> now some people are like really really uncontrolled but i think all of us wrestle 
with that. When we're in an sure. uncontrollable situation, uh, it puts fear in us. And that's really what scripture invites us into. And again, you look at most of the people in scripture that we celebrate as heroes of the faith, they were invited into places where they had no control, where not just they couldn't control what was going to happen. They didn't even know where they were going. You know, Joseph wow. had a relationship with God and God blessed him with the capacity to have these dreams and to understand dreams. He wasn't perfect, but he was trying to seek God. And, you know, to the best of his young ability as a teenager, a young adult, whatever he was at the time. And he kept finding himself in these uncontrollable situations, uh, thrown into a pit. He can't get out. He can't. Con am I going to die here? Then sold into slavery. All right. Am I a slave now? <laughs> Is that it? Like, and then getting thrown into prison. All right. Am I going to die in prison? Getting his hopes yeah. built up that he was going to get freed out and then spending more years. Right. And then ultimately he lands as second in command. Now, our problem is, is because of that hierarchical thinking in our mind, that production thing, like we like to jump to that part of the story and be like, and that's the answer. If you seek God, you'll be second in command. Right. That's not that's not the moral of the right, story. Right. Right. Yeah. But Joseph had to operate in this place of still choosing to trust God when everything seemed out of control and he knew for a fact he had no control at all. And so like when we're thinking about our own lives, when we're thinking about our jobs, when we're thinking about how am I going to serve God, when we're thinking about what am I supposed to do to honor God, we start to feel that pressure because we feel this sense that we have to control uh, where we are heading. How am I going to be a good Christian? How am I going to accomplish this? I spent five years working with young adults through internships and I had conversations with hundreds and hundreds of young adults and so many of them, they were more often than not in the midst of college or just having graduated from college. And so many of them were in these existential crises where mm. they did not know what to do with their life, right? Because they had the pressure functionally of what, what am I supposed to do after I graduate? What job am I supposed to get? What if that's not the right career? What if I don't like it? My parents are telling me I have to do this. My friends are telling me I have to do this. I want to do music, but that's not going to make me any money. And I did it. And then they have the same feelings being melded into their understanding of their calling. What is God calling me to do? What does he want me to do? What does he want me to do? What does he? And I remember just realizing there's such a pressure on having to figure out what you're supposed to do that we forget right. that God told us. He said, love God and love others, right? That's, that's what we're supposed to do. And then somebody could pull back and say, but yeah, aren't you supposed to have a job? Aren't you like, you have to figure out. No, actually you don't. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Functionally, it's, it takes not a tremendous here, amount here, of faith, obviously. <laughs> but, but really like, you know, I, uh, I wish I could remember there's some well-known pastor or theologian that does this analogy around this rope and it's imagine this rope is going on for eternity. And he literally had a rope on this and it goes off the stage and you can't see where it ends. He's like, imagine this goes on forever. And then he holds up the end of the rope and there's like an inch of red tape. And he's like, imagine mm. this red tape is our life. And the rest of this is eternity. We spend yeah. so much time looking at this red tape. And that's what we do, right? All these things that we're getting scared about, frustrated about, all this pressure we feel around how do I seek and serve God, it really is relegated to this when yeah. in reality, God is just saying, just seek me first. Like just right now, whatever you're doing, like don't worry about trying to figure out this part or Come that on. part. Don't worry about doing this thing right now. Just stop what you're doing and just seek me and all the rest will follow. Anything that doesn't follow, it's because I didn't want it to follow. You don't actually wow. need those things, right? And so, yeah, th there is this pressure. There really is this pressure on how do you be a good Christian? And the yeah. answer is you seek God, you love God, and you love others. 
wherever your situation, whatever you feel like your level of faith is, whether your job is you're the lead pastor or you're the garbage collector or you're unemployed or you're homeless or you're a CEO, like all of us have that same invitation to seek first, to love God and love others. And all of us have the opportunity to receive the same beautiful full life that comes from that. Wow. Yeah, so that that little that little section of red, that little piece of red tape is, you know, in light of eternity and, and in light of the big mm -hmm. picture of who God is and what he's doing, it's so small. But, you know, we if if we hold it right up here in front of our face, that's all we can see, just like yeah. those circumstances that we're dealing with and the problems that we have, you know, when we focus in on the wrong thing, then, yeah, that begin it, it begins to affect every every area of our lives right when, when we're yeah. focused on the the wrong thing then we can look at that and be like oh well this is consuming my whole world and it requires all my attention and, and all of that but when we learn as you say like to live in light of eternity with really our our hearts and our hope and our expectations of the fu future anchored in something that goes beyond our circumstances but the reality of again of, of who god is and yeah. I, I think that that lends just a different perspective where we can see things differently. Okay, I lost my job, but God command, but God still said, <laughs> God's, God's command is still the same. Mm -hmm. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor yeah. as yourself. Yeah. And and uh, just because I lost my job, or just because I'm going through something, a tragedy, even or or whatever, you know, might mess me, me up in my head for for a little bit, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but. He, he hasn't changed his mind. He mm -hmm. hasn't changed what he wants to do. He hasn't changed. You know, his goodness doesn't change. The reality of who he is, the fact that I get to live and experience his presence, that, that hasn't changed. Like none of that, none of that changes. And mm -hmm. yeah, so when we, when we do, when we put our focus and when we try to anchor who we are and our identity and all that stuff in things of this world that are fleeting, then you know we really set ourselves up for you yeah. know disappointment and conflicts and all kinds of different things but uh but yeah when we can maintain that focus on on him on who mm -hmm. he is uh, it's just every yeah. everything everything changes man and and so so yeah. i wanted to because you were you were talking about how you lost your job and then mm -hmm. god was like oh by the way <laughs> don't go get another job <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> so what was that? What was that like? I mean, is that something that yeah. you were on board with right away? Or did you argue with God about it? And the bigger question I have in my mind is, uh, was were, were you and your your wife on the same page? Like, how did that all work <laughs> out? Because yeah. that's a uh, that's probably a whole different different set of yeah, things to do right there. But there's, yeah, there's, there's like? entire podcasts in each of those <laughs> prompts. Um, all of the well, libraries and all the volumes. Yeah, all, the whole world. <laughs> well, and you know, and I'll start by saying this. Everything that you just said is true, right? And we can come to a place of, of accepting that, that if we just set our eyes on God, like we can find full, like that is true. But once we get our mindset on that, then we hit another level. Because right, we want to believe that once we sure. kind of attain a spiritual truth, then we're good for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. One of the things that we hit when we recognize that God operates on a different reality than the world does, the next thing that we realize when we start to step into that, maybe even joyfully, is, oh, 
but this the world still does operate in this other reality. Like there are people that still believe these things that I know aren't true. Take uh, income, for example. In order to live, you need food and shelter and water. In order to get those things, you need money. In order to have money, you need a job. Therefore, logically, you need a job. Sometimes you get lucky and have some other source of income. You win the lottery or something like that. But for the majority of people, you need a job. So here I am in this position where I have lost my job. My mind is working in that place of in order to care for my wife, my two kids, and my child on the way, uh, the mortgage on a house, we actually were paying the mortgage on another house. That's a whole other story. So significant expenses, losing half our income, like the math doesn't work. Therefore, I need to make up the other half of that income. So I need a job because I need money. And what God was saying to me is, no, you need me. Period. Right? And yeah. You know, the good Christian me is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I need you, God. But I also need money. But this is the same God who, when Jesus... You to give me money. Come on. <laughs> when, when Jesus and a disciple were going into probably Jerusalem, I don't know. But there, there was a tax being collected at the gate, mm -hmm. and they didn't have money on them. And the disciple's like, ah, we need money, so we, what are we going to do? Jesus is like, man, go over to that fish. <laughs> Goes over to the fish and there's money in the fish's mouth, right? This is the God we're talking about. He can make money mm. appear in a fish. And so I had experienced enough stuff in my life by the point that I lost my job that I, I, I was starting to really understand that God and really understand the invitation he was inviting me into and really understanding how I fit into that. And because of the way that I lost my job and particularly because of the way that God gave me a heads up and provided me indescribable, unexpected joy in the midst of that. I was kind of riding on a spiritual high for the first two months there. Um, I was feeling good. The two two men that, you know, fired me during that meeting, I even, I prayed for them and I encouraged them. And like, I, all these things that like, I knew were not of me. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like God's working. And then I had that sabbatical month. I'm like, yeah. And then the sabbatical month ended. I was like, oh, I'm supposed to job search now. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> and then I started to feel like, anger and frustration over the injustices yeah. that had happened to me. And I'm like, well, what's wrong with me? I thought I had forgiven them. I thought I had healed from that. So what's wrong with me? And I'm starting to feel all these things. And God very gently was just like, just keep walking, keep walking with me. Because again, our mentality is once you're on the right path, the path is great from then on. Mm -hmm. But yeah. God's inviting us to keep walking, knowing that the path will have trouble on it. And, and so I was in this place where I recognized I had these two mindsets that I could take. And I, and I found myself more aware of them than any other point in my life. The mindset of what it meant to trust God and the mindset of what it meant to like fall back on human logic. And the more I pressed into the former, the more the latter kind of lost its hold on me. And so with the finances piece, you know, there came a point where we had ran the numbers and it's like, all right, this is the point where we need to start functionally have to start buckling down because the money is going to be gone soon. Whatever we got mm -hmm. saved up is going to be gone. And that's it. Well, this is all falling in such a place that that period landed during Christmas, <laughs> right? Okay. What an yeah. awful time, right? Yeah. Um, but I felt like I was saying, trust me, don't stress. Don't try to find a job just to get money. You don't need money. You need me. I am provider. Trust me, I can provide, right? This is the thing that I feel like he's pushing in me. And here's what's so hilarious is... Not only were we already 
like on the spreadsheet on our way to red, um, I blacked out in a restaurant and they called an ambulance and I ended up spending a week in the hospital. I was fine, by the way. I walked myself to the ambulance. And the only reason they kept me there is because there's a history of heart issues in my family. Mm. And so they wanted to do all these tests. And it was, yeah. I got there on the weekend, it got held up. And so I was there a whole week. But of course, I'm thinking, huh, medical bills. Then uh, our car had some issues, right? That, that was a pretty substantial cost. Our cat had to have dental surgery. And that, my goodness, it is expensive to remove a cat's teeth. I didn't know that. So, right, all these extra expenses. Then on top of that, my wife is in her third trimester and it was the roughest of the three. And she's like, I am struggling here. I just, I just wow. need a massage. I needed to get my nails done. I need something just nice to treat myself. Yeah. Well, I'm frugal already. So like, it's, uh, it's a stretch for me to like, all right, go ahead. I do, but it's still hard for me. How much more so when I know money is limited. But what I felt yeah. like I was saying is, hey, your role right now is to love your wife. So whatever she needs, let it happen. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about the cost. Wow. So he said, go ahead and do what you got to do. We didn't scale back yeah. on Christmas. And the week after we had a whole bunch of big expenses, the next week we got three checks in the mail that we did not know were coming. They had never given before. And it totaled pretty much the amount, if not exact, to what we needed on those new expenses. But even wow. beyond that, th those are that we like those stories and those... My favorite, though, is the fact that I got to the, 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 the mark on the calendar where we are supposed to be out of money, and we weren't. And I can't tell you why. I can't tell you. The, the math does not add up because we still had our expenses. I was not like raising support at that point. So we didn't have like, I can't tell you other than God is provider. And sometimes he will provide through money. Sometimes he will provide through people. Sometimes he'll provide in whatever creative way he wants to. Yes. And so, you know, it's, I, I had great moments where I was really, I was really in it. I had other moments where the human thinking was just driving me down and I had to choose to step, even though I did not know where my foot was going to land. Mm -hmm. Those were the hard moments, but when yeah. I would do it, God would be right there. Yeah. Um, and then my wife and I, you know, we've we've gone through a lot of things over our almost 14 years knowing each other. Um, and those I feel like God used to prepare us for this season, because I feel like there are other times where I don't know how it would have gone. But God had brought us in such a place that um, when I was like, I feel like God's telling me not to like I was job searching, but like doing my due diligence. But I feel like God's saying to trust him and to not rush into a job. She's like, all right. All right, we're going to do that. And then when she starts seeing the provision come, when she starts seeing things working out. And, and here's the hilarious thing is I haven't received a formal paycheck since August of 2018. My wife felt like God invited her to leave her job in August of 2019. We wow. ended up as part of YWAM. If you want to be on staff, you do what they call a discipleship training school, a DTS. Yep. And DTS. That's, uh, that's not free. And we didn't have the money. And somehow we did it. And not only did we do it, but we felt like God invited us to do a family DTS. And one of the main ones they have is in Hawaii. So we lived in Hawaii for three months. Like that was not on our radar, not in our capacity, right? So like we have all these different wow. things where God not only provided, but then he did some extravagant stuff. And that one was hard for us, by the way, because I, we do, um, we serve and live in a neighborhood that has a high level of uh, lower income homes, of homelessness, 
of mm. um, addictions and overdoses. And I did not want to tell people we were going to Hawaii because Hawaii is luxury, right? Like that's that's what that evokes, right. vacation, yeah. luxury. And we weren't going for that. It was not going to be a vacation. Um, but like, I felt guilty. And when we were there, like we're seeing like rainbows every day and all that, like for a couple of weeks, like I wrestled with being able to appreciate it. And I felt like I was saying, what if I'm trying to give you a gift here? <laughs> like, are you, are you rejecting my gift? Yeah. And that's what we do a lot, right? Like God is constantly giving us gifts, offering us contentment, offering us joy. And we reject it because I can't be content in this until this person fixes what they did. I can't have peace until this financial situation works out. But that's God is offering himself to us daily. Mm -hmm. And we are the ones who are saying, not in that way. Change it up and then maybe I'll receive your gift. So how many people thought you were crazy during that time? Like yeah. how many people were kind of like, all right, Paul. This yeah. little experiment of yours, uh, you better you better go out there yeah. and find yourself a job, man. Stop messing around. Like how <laughs> and, and there's a couple of different answers to that, right? There's how many did I know about <laughs> and right. how many sure. people thought I was crazy but didn't tell me. Yeah, I think the like latter like, Oh yeah, yeah, Paul, that sounds great. Yeah, you gotta trust God. They walk away like, oh, that dude's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> when especially because you know, I've worked in ministry for the bulk of my working career, and the mentality around ministry is it's it's nice when you're young to do support raising, but once you, once you're grown, you need to get a grown job, right? Like, so there are some mindsets around that. Um, there are some people that like, were like smiling, but they were questioning, I, I don't know what's going to happen to Paul and his family. Um, my favorite is, um, you know, when Becca, my wife decided that she was going to leave her job, it was, they, they had, they were un okay. And understanding when I was going to step into not having a formal income and doing fully support based ministry. They, they accepted that when shortly after their, you know, daughter and daughter-in-law said, okay, well, I'm going to as well. They're thinking not just of us, but of their grandchildren. Yeah. And, right. Right. And this was one of the most beautiful moments for me in that period of time is uh, different parents react in different ways, but it was hard for most of them. Um, and they respected us enough to let us make our decisions. But, uh, you know, a couple made it clear. Mm, I, I just really hope you're thinking about this. And, yeah. and what was so beautiful is that, and I'm just thinking about this now. So I'm piecing this together as I talk, but we're called to love God and love others. And what was really beautiful is by choosing to not stop us, by choosing to respect our decision and to trust us, that was an act of love towards us, which ended up because we were trying to seek God, ended up being an act of love towards God between them and God, whether they realize it or not. And God showed his love to them by pretty much almost every one of them had a moment shortly after their period of concern where God like gave them peace in an unexpected way. Wow. One of them um, who really was concerned, the next day he came up to me. And like he had been reading the Moravian texts and the, the passage was like precisely about provision and God as provider. And he came and showed it to me. And then like, it was this moment where he realized, okay, like maybe, maybe God's doing something, but then it really, really, really spoke to them when a year later we hadn't lost our home, right? We hadn't mm. gone into homelessness. We hadn't yeah. given up on all of it when two years passed, right? Like, and now we're coming up, I guess, to the three year mark <laughs> of living this crazy life. And yeah, we're, 
we have not missed a single bill in this entire time, <laughs> have not missed a single bill. And, and so here's the thing. That is a, you know, it's the question you asked, how many people thought you're crazy? Um, you know, we like to ask that question until it's directed at us. And we don't want people to think that we are crazy. We don't pe want people to look at us like we're crazy. And that fear often stops us from accepting an invitation from God. Because we know if I do this, someone's going to look down on me. Someone's going to question me. And I definitely can't do it if I'm also, I still have questions. Like, I think this is God, but I'm like at 51%. So what if I step in my 51% and, and I was wrong? And then what? And it's like, we this fear cripples us from actually accepting this full life, these opportunities, these miracles, these yeah. experiences because we're worried about what people think of us. But those people are in the red tape, right? Their opinions <laughs> right. are even less than that. Opinions come and go. But mm -hmm. if, if you step towards God, it really doesn't matter if you succeed or fail at whatever the thing is, because the yeah. real test of success is, did you, to the best of your ability, step towards God? If the answer is yes, then great. If everything else fell apart, doesn't matter. Because like I stepped towards wow. God. God's the one that matters. <sighs> so awesome god is uh god's so kind you know mm -hmm. in the way that he he allows those things to play out like you even said with him giving these experiences right like to uh, to other people in your life that were important to you like god didn't have to do any of that like you could have yeah. you could have just done what you were doing and you know sort of lived with that stigma for <laughs> for mm -hmm. a while and you know sometimes that happens but god's just so kind in the way that he allows things that you know we wouldn't be able to foresee we wouldn't be able to foresee that and yeah we for sure can allow sort of that that pressure from family or friends or from again like the easy ones or the finances and the bills and stuff like that mm -hmm. we can allow these external pressures to really come in and um you know cause us to disobey god at the end of the day you know to mm -hmm. not go forward in that and you know i don't think it's the kind of thing where god's like okay well you didn't listen to me so it's over this whole th like we're no relationship like it's it's not like that but where you see how much fuller and how much richer your life is because you did it his way instead of doing it your way and trying to figure everything out on your own mm. and it's just so cool the way that he yeah. does that and uh yeah. So like, how did that process go? Like, did you raise support in a traditional sense, like sending out letters <laughs> and stuff like that? Or how, how did that process yeah. work? So, you know, as I mentioned, I've done ministry for most of my working life. So I've experienced multiple forms of fundraising from being a young uh, person doing like a summer missions thing. And I have to raise a certain amount so I can yeah. get my plane right. Like uh, to, you know, working at a larger ministry where we had to functionally raise, but are we still got paid whether we raised it or not. And, you know, I've experienced all these things. And what was really interesting to me is when I started officially with uh, serving with youth with a mission and officially like communicating myself out as I am just full-time ministry for the community and I'm living off support. What had preceded that was what I described before this, this experience of learning who God is as provider, this experience of learning the actual reality about money and income and what I actually need. Mm. And 
even funnier is YWAM came about not because I was looking for it, but it was a conversation where the invitation, I wasn't even expecting it. And when uh, what I loved about it is Chris Zinchuk was the guy I was talking to and he was leading the base. And I'd been, man, doing all these applications, right? And you have to really sell yourself and you have to then try to figure out, okay, this is what I feel like God's called me to, but the job does this. So how much of what I feel like God's called me to, can I squeeze into this role? And I like all these things. And I'm like, I didn't yeah. find anything that I felt a piece about because I had some clear senses of things that God was inviting me to. And what, what Chris said to me is basically, I'm not hiring you for a job or, or anything like that. It's not like I have a gap that I need filled. I just know you and know how you operate. And I feel like you'd be a good fit for a team and your job will be whatever God's calling you to do. That's what you do. So if God's calling you to do your podcast, that's part of what you do. And I'm like, Oh, that's awesome. So, right. It was on that level. It was the right. best case scenario role. The one caveat is there's no money attached, right? You don't get paid <laughs> and small thing. Small detail, Paul. And so, yeah. and so he was concerned about that, right? He's like, Hey, Paul has a family. They just had another baby. So now they got three kids. I don't know how he's going to feel about that. And I was like, let me tell you something funny, Chris. God has been putting these thoughts in my mind. And there is this other opportunity I was considering where I would have to raise some money. So on a whim, without telling people anything, I just put it out there. Hey, if I were to go fully support based, uh, I'm just curious if, if anybody would want to come alongside me in that. And I made like a little form people could fill out. And by the time I had that meeting, like and within a week, actually, there was like $14,000 pledged. With like no work, <laughs> minimal effort. Now again, I've raised support. Like I have not been that successful before, <laughs> right? Yeah. To get like fourteen thousand a week. That's just yeah. never been been my thing. Um, so like God had already shown. He's like, it was like God was saying, "Look, I already did some of the work for you. Like you could trust me in this." So that gave me the the courage to turn down a job opportunity that would have paid like fifty thousand dollars or something and been a reputable job and all that. Turn down those things. Step into this not making money piece. Um, but then the the next thing that I felt like I was saying was was kind of crazy. And I felt like I was saying to continue this idea of not stressing over money, to carry that into how I invited people to walk with me. In other words, the default wow. is the only way I can do this ministry is here's our expenses. So I've tallied it up. This is the bottom line. We need this much money in order to do this. And so I have to raise this much money. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Sometimes that is what we're invited to do. But Oftentimes that can uh, be a mentality that is brought about by fear or can lead to fear because it comes about, I have to, I have to cover these expenses. And God's like, look, well, already you haven't had the money to cover your expenses and I've been covering it. So what I want you to do is just invite people in, invite people to walk with you and people to invite them to give if they want to give, if they don't want to give, that's fine. If they want to give $5, that's fine. If they never give anything, that's fine. Just invite people to journey with you. And that mindset has pretty much, I have not felt like God's freed me from that mindset yet, right? <laughs> to like do a big, like, all right, now here's how much I need. Can we reach that? And, and he's provided. Now, it's also meant I've had to trust him just as the Israelites had to trust manna. They couldn't stockpile, right? And know that they're covered for the next. Right. Like, there have been times where we've had to trust that tomorrow the manna would be there. Um, but I, it's just... In those moments, it, it almost solidified even more the invitation. Like, I know what human logic says, that if we don't get this money, we're going to be in trouble. But I, I feel like God's invited me to trust him. So I'm going to do the crazy, stupid thing <laughs> and, and trust this invisible God to make provision appear. And then he does it. 
<laughs> and then people have been following along. Now, here's the other piece, too, because now that shapes what people are walking with the end, what they're seeing and experiencing. They're not just seeing a transaction where, well, of course, Paul's doing fine because we paid for their house or we paid for their car. Or we paid for their. No, it's like, oh, wow. Like, I know that they don't have enough funds yet. And somehow they're in Hawaii. <laughs> I know that wow. they don't have enough funds yet and they haven't lost their house. Right. Like God must be doing something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Man, it's so cool. It's it's exhilarating. Right. I mean, when mm -hmm. you God, we we can. Unfortunately, we can make God out to be or like relationship with God out to be like this boring thing, you know, mm -hmm. and we can sort of project that or, or portray that to the world. And like, oh, man, I got to read my Bible today, like stuff like that, you know, where we mm -hmm. can make this out to be like some boring thing. And when we when we learn to approach God, as Jesus said, with that, you know, unless you can approach him as a child. You know, unless you can enter this kingdom or unless you can uh, approach this kingdom as a child, you'll by no means enter it. Yeah. And, you know, when we uh, when we approach God from like with this like rigid set of rules and like this is how it has to be, then we do. I think we just miss out so often on something that's he's got that's so much better for us. And even as you talked about inviting people to journey with you, the way that God invites us to journey with him, you know, the way that he invites us into this journey of fellowship. And it really is an adventure when we do it his way. It's adventurous. It's not boring. And it's like, you know, it's like that exhilarating thing of, you know, one moment I'm, I'm worried <laughs> about this bill that is due and I don't have the money for like I, maybe I have half of it, but I don't have the money for it. And God, and uh, you just feel like God just puts it on your heart. Just uh, that little bit of money that you have that doesn't cover that bill anyway. Why don't you just give that away? Mm -hmm. And you're like, that doesn't make sense. At least I got half of it. Maybe I can get the other half. Mm -hmm. And God's like, yeah, but if you do it my way, there's this other thing that you don't see. But I'm inviting you in to do something where there's a partnership. You know, the, he invites us into partnership yeah. where he does all of the work, but we get to participate in it and when we become just willing participants in this walk with him and this adventure that he has us on it's uh it's really just an incredible life and i think that i mean it's something that i i would say like i've by no means like attained to that mm -hmm. and uh you know there's there's so many times where i i'm i'm like still like battle with that kind of stuff in my mind where i'm like i don't know about that one god like, yeah. I know you've done that before. Like, I know you came through for me last time, but what about this time? And there's still that sort of thing, like you mentioned with the children of Israel and like daily just remembering. I mean, what about like 24 years in someone's just like, well, we've had manna all these, all these, you know, all this time, all these years. But what if it's just not there tomorrow? Like, yeah. I, I just wonder, like, there's still that idea in your mind and i think something that you hit on earlier was this idea of control and it's mm -hmm. so hard sometimes to give up that feeling of control yeah. that idea i had a guest on a while back who said that you know in her opinion the that control is like the greatest addiction or i can't remember exactly how she said it but it's like this thing within us where we really do often want to hold on to this idea of 
control. And that's where this whole thing of, you know, dying to yourself and surrendering your pride and doing it God's way and all of mm -hmm. that. It's it it really does just take that not not like fantastic, perfect faith, but just like this childlike faith mm -hmm. where you can stand in wonder of who God is and recognize that, you know what, God, I like I don't know. I don't have the answers. I mm -hmm. don't know what this is going to look like tomorrow. But I know that if I give this to you, that I can trust you. Yeah. And I think that that is just this journey that we're all on, on different levels, you know, different places. Because um, I'm sure God is still like, there's still things that come up in your life where God's like, all right, you've trusted me yeah. with this, but it's time to go to the next level. You know, you've trusted yeah. me this far. It's going great. But look, I'm not because God doesn't want us to get to that point where we just become comfortable you know, mm -hmm. uh, comfortable where we are and comfortable with how things are, are working out, but he's always wanting us. He's after our growth. And, mm -hmm. and I think he, he just wants us to, to keep growing and, and keep going forward because he's always got more for us. And so just learning to develop that, that confidence in God and to really develop that confidence, it does take you know, we'll get a certain amount of confidence in God by reading his word and by listening to messages or podcasts or mm -hmm. whatever, but it's really formed in us, or at least we, it's, I think it's sealed. Maybe it's better to say it that way, like becomes sealed in us, our confidence and our trust in God when we have opportunity to practice it and to demonstrate yeah. it. Sometimes we'll fall down. We won't get it right. And we'll see, oh, you know what, God, I should have listened to you on that. And I didn't. So then mm -hmm. it comes around again. And just all of those experiences where you start to, you know, like it's like that one stepping stone that's on the way to the next stepping stone that's on the way to the next one. Right. And before you know it, you look back and you're like, oh, like I have a history with God now where mm -hmm. God has showed himself strong. And I think that that's so key with this kind of lifestyle, like the one that you're talking about that is just in God's hands. It's like learning to look back on your history with God. And to remember how faithful he's been, not to live in the past and get stuck in the past, but to look back and to recognize, you know, God, you've been faithful to me before and you never let me down. So why on earth would I expect mm. you to let me down now? You yeah. know, and uh, just that developing that confidence in him that he's provider, that he's yeah. shepherd, that he's healer, that he's everything that we need is, yeah. uh, you know, it's an understatement to say that 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 that's so key in our lives. But. It's just yeah. cool the demonstration of that that you're that you're talking about. So yeah. Well, and one thing awesome. I want to note too is <clears throat> there's this trap we can fall into in these conversations of we almost make one of the main goals that we are provided for, that things work out. Because there are stories where we trusted God and then God worked out the thing. But you know, <laughs> in my mind, us yeah. losing our home. Like that is an objectively bad thing, mm -hmm. but on a kingdom level, who am I to say if that actually would have been a bad thing or not? Because what if God was not trying to protect our home because yeah. he's trying to do something different and my mentality, if I held tight to no, it is bad to lose your home. It is bad. Like that. We love this home. We right. Like then I could again have stopped accepting his invitation. And so, you know, this, I, I mentioned earlier that, the current season of the podcast I'm in is on healing. And there's so many stories of people who he didn't heal the disease. And one of them, my, my second guest in the series, Darcy, 
what I love about her story is that she actually experienced the same disability twice. And the first time God miraculously healed it. 20 years later, it was reignited and God didn't heal it. And now that, it's not um, only sorry Darcy is that is that Darcy Steiner? It is, yeah. That's and awesome. so yeah, I had her on I had her on oh, my podcast too. That's cool and how we have like some of these same connections. <laughs> and it's beautiful, right? Like her story really encouraged me because it's not just a question of can God heal or not. She knows he can and he chose not to. And so she had to decide, all right, like this is a new level of deciding what I think about God and how willing am I to trust him? Because it's not just a question of can he do something? He chose not to heal me. If I am to believe that he is still God and still good, then he must know something that I don't. And what she realizes now a few years later is she told me after we finished recording that she, and not in these words, but essentially like she wouldn't, would she love to be able to walk like she used to? Yes. Would she want the suffering to be taken away? Not necessarily because she has experienced God so deeply, deeper in the suffering than she ever did on her healthiest days, right? That's not normal human logic thinking. But that's what God's inviting us into. So in these situations when we're trusting God, one of the big pieces of it, one of our big pieces of maturing is to say, God, I really hope that this works out. But even if this doesn't, I'm still going to choose you. And the reason that I know that that's a good thing to say is that's what Jesus said, right? Yeah. That if there's any way, can this cup be taken mm -hmm. from me? But not my will, but yours be done. Even Jesus recognized this is the most horrendous thing that will ever not just happen to me, but in human history. And I would really like to not experience it. I would really love there to be another way. But God's will, my love for him, my obedience to him is far more important than everything that makes sense to me right now. So not my will, but yours be done. Mm. We had that same opportunity in our lives. God, I would really not to lose, I love to not lose my job, but I want you more than I want this job. I want you more than I want a good reputation. I want you more yeah. than I want provision, comfort, safety, security. I'm willing to die to all that, to, to, to all of it for the sake of following you. And tomorrow when I'm not dying to it, mm. I'm willing to, like, I want you to call me out on it. And then I want to come back and do it again. Because like you said, like, neither of us are, are perfect. <laughs> I was, yeah. I was so frustrated by so many things yesterday. I was not probably fun to be around at all yesterday. So frustrated. And I was reminded of times when I was in worse situations that God gave me peace. And I'm like, man, like this isn't on God. This is on me. I'm still allowing myself to like get caught up in what I want and what I deserve. And I may be right, but I'm choosing that over seeking God in this moment. So I need to, I need to course correct a little bit. It's a journey that we're going to take as long as we are living, because as long as we are living, there are still little holdouts in our heart that we're grasping to, that we aren't dying to. And God is patiently helping us to get there. And then in eternity, we'll finally get to experience what it's like to not have any holdouts, to, to be utterly devoted to God, to be utterly in love with Christ and nothing else. And it's going to be beautiful. Little by little, we're working our way there. <laughs> Yeah, we really do have this window of time <laughs> in this time that we're here on the earth. And it's just this tiny window of time, like you said, in, in light of eternity. But it's this time like when we get to heaven, you know, and, and we're like, we're not going to need to 
like do any of this stuff anymore right like we're, there's not going to be the need for that it's going to be it's going to be perfect it's going to be perfection it's going to be god's presence there's not going to be sadness or tragedy there's not going to be any of that right and it's uh but we have this window of time where we where we get to partner with god's heart but it's like the idea of 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 eternity you know the idea of of you know not having our hearts anchored in this realm you know not having our hearts anchored in like you mentioned the comforts and the different things that you know we all like like we we like those things right we all want you know like i would love a trip to hawaii tomorrow you know what i mean like there's certain things like we we like those things and i don't think there's anything wrong i think god wants us to experience the goodness of the world that he made you know and 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 i don't think there's anything wrong with that but if like that's our pursuit and that's the thing that drives us and motivates us then again i think we're we're really missing the point and you know the point is as as paul says you know i've learned in whatever state that i am to be content you know i can be content with a lot i can be content with a little because whether i have a lot or i have a little that's not the point the point is that you're the same and so if my heart is directed toward you and to knowing you more than everything else you know this is a different passage but like I've, I've counted everything else as loss i've counted everything else as as rubbish as garbage in comparison with knowing you because that is the supreme goal of my life and yeah. when that's the supreme when when it's about knowing him and so it becomes about as you as you've mentioned a few times loving god and loving others and that really is the purpose for our existence and we know that that's the purpose and that's the reason why we're here then you know these little things that happen yeah they they affect us right they affect us we get sad we get frustrated we get angry but we don't have to live there we don't have to stay there because he because again that's not the the purpose of my life is not to be in comfort the purpose of my life is to be connected with my creator I think one of the important things that God's inviting us into is, I mean, we said it before, love God and love others, right? But love others isn't simply just doing stuff, isn't simply just like checking off boxes. Like love gets really messy sometimes. <laughs> love gets really confusing sometimes because sometimes in loving someone, you don't know how to fix the situation or you realize, oh, maybe I'm not supposed to fix like folks that look like me that come into neighborhoods like where I live, that has been a typical issue of like coming in and like, I know what your problem is and I'm going to fix it. And that's not right. Yeah. That oftentimes yeah. starts with this sense of desiring to love, but isn't the type of love God calls us to. It's forced me to recognize I've got to humbly confront myself in my interactions, my interactions with others. But I also need to recognize that it's not that people have stuff to learn from me. Like, there is a lot I need to learn, not just from God, but from others. And that mm -hmm. only happens yeah. when we are authentically in relationship with God and others, when we are authentically agape loving God and others. That's what it comes down to is, is that, you, you know, you mentioned that word authentically loving, you know, authentically loving people. And I mean, we look at Jesus. I mean, that's what, that's what he did. You know, we, we can get this I, I don't know. I, th I think it's a misconception. A lot of people think that um, a lot of people think that, you know, Jesus was poor. He didn't have anything. He didn't have a home. He didn't have all this kind of stuff. And I don't think that scripture uh, supports that. But at the same time, he traveled around and he was never afraid to get like in the trenches with people. 
mm-hmm. like to go to the people that society looked at and said, you know, that they weren't worth it, that they weren't good enough, that, you know, they were considered to be sinners and they were considered to be, you know, not the kind of people that someone spiritual would want to hang out with. And Jesus would just always go to, you know, he'd go to the lowest of the low as far as the the way that society looked at them. But he never saw them that way. He didn't look at them as less than because of their circumstances of life. And and he would go around um, people that just needed an an authentic experience with God that needed, you know, the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. Like she didn't need there's all the people around her condemning her about to stone her. And what she needed was a moment with her heavenly father who could see beyond her mistake that she, or, you know, her mistakes and her lifestyle that she had made to really see to her heart, you know, and like Zacchaeus up in the tree, just trying to see Jesus. And, you know, Jesus says, I'm coming to eat in your house today. And that was something that would have been like, Oh, he's a chief tax collector. Like that would have been something where, you know, Jesus would have been rid. Well, he was, it's, the passage even says that he was ridiculed for that and mocked and they were offended with him because he did that. But he's like, that's not what this is about. You know, he's not a, he, he's just, what he demonstrates to us is just being willing, be, that willingness to step outside of our comfort zone. The point is with the with whatever God has called us to, again, to demonstrate him well, you know, and that's something that that we grow in. I mean, none of none of us do it perfectly by any means, uh, but but learning how to to demonstrate him, to put his love, to put his goodness on display by serving, you know, people around mm-hmm. us. Yeah. So. When one of the metrics to that can be like, sometimes the metric for us is what am I accomplishing? We talked about that earlier, but for me, I'm learning the best one is to position ourselves where we can be humble enough to like every day say, God, I think I'm seeking you. If I'm not call me out, <laughs> right? Like if I'm off base, cause the Pharisees believed that they were seeking God and they got there because they, they really held tightly to this idea of holding to the law. But as we know, they got off track enough that they killed Jesus, right? The disciples thought that they were they were literally following Christ. But then when the moment came to actually follow Christ to his death, they bailed, right? We if even the disciples who were in the closest relationship with Christ in a physical sense had these struggles, then even we will have moments where we think that we're on base. We think that we are following God as best as we can. And if we are humble enough, God could say, I appreciate your heart. I'm going to help you course correct a little bit because yeah. you're actually holding too tightly to this. You're actually pursuing that. You're actually trying to get credit. You're actually, but it's, it, that's on us. Are we willing to invite that from God? Are we willing to be in a community of people that will call that out within us? Are we invited, willing to be humble enough that if God said, all right, great. Now I want you to change everything. Or I want you to sell everything, or I want you to drop that ministry, or I want you to are we willing to drop whatever for the sake of following Christ? Because otherwise we might be following something else. Yeah, it's so good. Well, uh, I know we're we're kind of up against the clock. So I do want to say, Paul, thank you so much for your time. And uh, where would be the best place that we can uh, point somebody that wants to find out more? We definitely want to mention your podcast here at the end and uh, yeah. your website and uh, some stuff like that. So yeah, if you would um, just take a moment and tell people where they can go to find your content and find out more about about what you do. Yeah. So like I said at the start, um, the whole reason all of this, this website, this podcast is out there is because I felt like God was calling me to be transparent about my own journey, my own process. So this isn't me, an expert presenting stuff like 
nope, I'm still learning. I'm still messing up. I'm still figuring things out. And I want to invite people into that journey with me. So if you go to wheredidyouseegod.com, uh, you can see some things that I've written, videos that I made, the podcast is on there, the healing series. There's a, se a series on questioning God. Uh, all those things are available. Um, there's also a resource. If you want to read the book of Revelation, but you don't want to read the book of Revelation, there is now a free resource on the website. I've also just put it on Amazon, but you have to put a price on it. So if you want it for free, go to the website. I don't need the money, but it's called A Journey Through Revelation for the person who doesn't want to read Revelation. And it's not like a, here's what the numbers mean. Here's this. It's more like, how can we find God in the midst of a very hard and controversial book? So at the end of the day, anybody's welcome to come to those spaces. Um, but really, I'm just trying to learn each day what it looks like to walk towards God. And I want to learn that alongside others. So join me. Awesome. Love it. Uh, well, thank you again, sir. Appreciate your time. It's a pleasure to you. This was, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this at the beginning or not, but this is our first uh, actual conversation with each other. And so mm -hmm. it's been cool getting to know you and hearing your story. And uh, I appreciate um Appreciate what you're doing and your heart toward serving your community. And uh, what's really cool to me is that it's not just you, but it's your your whole family, even with your young kids and stuff like that, you know, kind of coming together and just wanting to express the love of God to the people around you. And, uh, you know, in practical ways, in practical ways, by getting involved in your community, by getting involved in your neighborhood, having conversations with people, serving people. It's really, really cool. So, again, uh, thank you for your time, Paul. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. We'll uh, see you next time. Let's see. What is today anyway? Today's Thursday, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's today, Thursday. Yeah, so we'll be back on Monday with the next episode. I hope you guys have an awesome weekend. See you next time.